0: Uh, being with us today. Now, if you see those black registration pads at the end of your pew, will you please fill those out? And if you see someone come in just a few minutes after, will you hand it to them so we can have their uh, registration? Now, next Sunday is a very exciting Sunday for us. It uh, We're going to rededicate, consecrate our Wesley Hall. Construction is done, and we get to go in there and see it. So what a wonderful celebration that will be, and that's going to be at 10 o'clock. And also on May 16th, which is tomorrow, the Spectrum concert will be here in the sanctuary at 7 p.m., Now this morning, we had pastries with the pastors, and that is a time that a lot of new members come, and we had over 25 people join our uh, uh, congregation, and we had six people baptized this morning. So what a celebration that is. Now I invite all of us to just take a moment and center ourselves as we get ready for worship. finish our call to worship. I'm going to invite you to please stay standing for our hymn number 400, Come Thy Fount of Every Blessing. But our call to worship today is written from several scriptures. The scriptures are listed online or in your printed bulletin if you want to see what scriptures we're reading. So I invite you now to please all stand as we uh, say our call to worship together. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and also to you. There is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized in one body, Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Jesus said, let the children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be arrogant, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you. For the glory of God, make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Let your love one another, because love is for God, Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know, for God is love. you to please remain standing as we affirm our faith together as a church. You can turn to your hymn book on 883, or you can follow the words of this Greek. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and to serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us we are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.
1: One of the most important things we do as a community of faith is draw together in support of families who are having children or a person of any age baptized. And so this morning, we are excited for Emma Kay and her baptism, and we invite Brittany and Chase and their family to come forward at this time. Sisters and brothers in Christ, baptism is a sign of God's mercy and love, reminding us that we do not come into relationship with God on the basis of what we do, but rather on the basis of God's gracious acceptance and invitation to us. Children have always had an important place among the people of God. Remember the words of Jesus, how he said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them for it is such as these belong the kingdom of God.
2: Can I ask you now as you stand before God in this congregation, do you affirm your faith in Christ? We do. And do you promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, all nations, and all races? We do. And will you nurture Emma Kay in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example, she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly and to lead a Christian life? see me. Hi. Hi. All right. Emma Kay, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now if you'll place your hands on her also. Emma the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born of water and the Spirit, you will remain a faithful disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's turn around and see your church family here.
3: Yeah.
2: What a blessing it is to participate in this Holy Sacrament of Baptism by pledging ourselves, along with her family, Uh, to do all that we can to nurture Emma Kay in Christ's Holy Church so that as she grows up among us, she will come to the place in her life where she will stand at this or some other altar and make her own profession of faith in Christ. And this is God's wonderful gift offered to us without price.
1: And now, as Emma Kay's adopted church family, we have the opportunity to enthusiastically welcome her. You'll see the words on the screens. Let's now join together. With God's help, we will so order our lives after the example of Christ, that Emma Kay, surrounded by steadfast love, may be established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. I didn't have a chance to introduce myself to you before. Uh, My name is Dr. Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And there are a lot of reasons that I love my job here. And one of those reasons is that I'm able to be included in so many fun ways. For example... Sometimes I can help Dr. B with a baptism. Sometimes I'm able to sing with Choral Union. Sometimes I have an opportunity to serve at the First Street Mission. And sometimes I'm able to assist Mr. Mark with our children. Well, that's what I'm doing this morning because I'm going to lead faith like a child. And you're properly wondering to yourself, so where is Mr. Mark? And has he gone on an exciting trip? And the answer is, yes. He has gone on an exciting trip that has taken him all the way to the second floor of our building. (laughs) He's gone to a party. It's a party with all of our different children's choirs. And it's a party to say thank you. Thank you to them for being part of the musical that they sang earlier this morning during the gathering. The musical is entitled called. And it's one that uh, Mr. Mark wrote the whole thing. And I've got a copy of it right here, and I want to kind of show you for a moment. Look how pretty this cover is. Just look at how pretty this is. You know, I see lots of children on the cover. I see boys and girls. I see uh, people with different colors of hair, different colors of skin, different colors of clothing. I see uh, people that are differently abled because there's a girl who's in a wheelchair. And all of them are included. And all of them are special. Each one of them is important and included. And here's something that Mr. Mark has said. He said, all of us are included. No matter who we are, no matter where we are, no matter how old we are, God has put something beautiful in us and calls us to share it with the world. Isn't that a great phrase? God has put something beautiful in us and calls us to share it with the world. And you know, it seems to me that for us to be able to share that beautiful gift with others, we need friends. We need friends who will encourage us You know who one of my favorite encouragers is? Why, it's Dr. Lamar Smith! (laughs) Dr. Lamar, you have been helping us feel called and worthy for many, many, many many, many, many years. That's a lot of many's. Well, Lamar, thank you. And Lamar, we love you. And we know you in many different ways. And one of those ways that you're going to be reminded of is as Dr. Smooth.
3: Ready? Come
2: praise God's Lord, may be your adored. Everybody say, serve up, serve up. Be bold, be brave. Let us catch God's wave. Everybody say, serve up, serve up. Wave your hands in the air. You're the one who really care. You have joy and peace to share. The love of God is everywhere.
3: Everybody say, turn up, sir, suck. Everybody say, turn up, sir, suck. Everybody say, Sir,
2: up, sir, sir. suck. Now, Dr. Smooth is out of here.
3: Woo! <clears throat>
2: Oh man, I have to follow Dr. Smooth.
1: Smooth and thanks be to God for all of our children who are here in the sanctuary. And if any of you would like to come up to the second floor now, if you want to come over right here, we'll meet right here.
2: And now I invite you to stand again
0: as we sing Amazing Grace.
1: Our scripture reading this morning is from the New Testament, from the Acts of the Apostles. I'm going to be reading from uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. This will be from the Common English Bible. Uh, If you brought your Bible, I invite you to, uh, to open to Acts chapter 11. If you'd like to use one of the Pew Bibles, that's the New Revised Standard Version, and the words will be up on the screen. The apostles and the brothers and sisters throughout Judea heard that when the Gentiles had welcomed God's word, when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. They accused him You went into the home of the uncircumcised and ate with them. Step by step, Peter explained what had happened. He said, I was in the city of Joppa praying when I had a visionary experience. In my vision, I saw something like a large linen sheet being lowered from heaven by its four corners. It came all the way down to me. As I stared at it, wondering what it was, I saw four-legged animals, including wild beasts, as well as reptiles and wild birds. I heard a voice say, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I responded, absolutely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice from heaven spoke a second time, never consider unclean what God has made pure. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled back into heaven. At that moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying. The Spirit told me to go with them, even though they were Gentiles. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered that man's house. He reported to us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and summon Simon, who is known as Peter. He will tell you how you and your entire household can be saved. When I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as the Spirit fell on us in the beginning. I remembered the Lord's words, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord, Jesus Christ, then who am I? Could I stand in God's way? Once the apostles and other believers heard this, they calmed down. They praised God and concluded, So then God has enabled Gentiles to change their hearts and lives so that they might have new life. God speaks to us through the reading of Scripture. Thanks be to God.
2: Well, once again, I have to follow Dr. Smooth. Happy birthday, Lamar. Two days from now, Lamar will be, if you don't mind me saying, 95, right? Don't worry, I'm not gonna name anyone else's age in the congregation, just Lamar. I, For a long time, I have said to Lamar, you know, when i grow up if i grow up i want to be like you and uh and i mean that and still mean that god bless you well today we are continuing our series uh, that we started a couple weeks ago uh god at work in our lives Uh, we're thinking about the ways that god is at work in our lives and the lives of others and uh today we have this passage of scripture from the book of Acts. And uh, in this to to get into this passage of scripture I think it's important for us to understand the context and that context is the earliest church. The book of Acts written by uh, the same author as the Gospel of Luke uh, tells the story of the early church and its expansion. And um, in this section of Acts, uh, we're pretty early in the church. They, they're not even called Christians yet. That will come later in just uh, uh, the re- at the end of this chapter that we're in today. Um, they're called People Belonging to the Way, and they get the name Christians at Antioch. And you can read about that later in this chapter. But the earliest church was a Jewish organization, Strictly. Uh, You could become a Christian, anyone could become a follower of the way, but they had to first uh, become a good observant Jew, which meant uh, observing the dietary laws, and it meant uh, being circumcised for the men. And if you did that, then you could become a part of the followers of the way. See, the earliest church, they were Jews who believed Jesus to be the Messiah, this man from Nazareth to be the Messiah. But to be a part of that community, you had to become a Jew. It's important to realize that and to to understand how critically important it was to follow the law, the dietary laws and and the circumcision uh, law, Because as the people uh, were dispersed into exile and and they returned and then dispersed again throughout the world, what was it that kept them together as a community? It was the law. It was following uh, together the dietary restrictions in the law and following together all the other provisions of the law and the study of Torah, of course, as well. The law and the prophets. And uh, this was what kept the community together. So you can imagine how important this is. And so, our story. The story is about Cornelius and uh, Simon Peter. Cornelius is a Roman uh, officer in the Roman army, uh, a Gentile. And Cornelius is praying about three o'clock in the afternoon and he has this vision to send men to Joppa and find there a man, a man named Simon Peter and to bring him back. Meanwhile, Simon Peter is praying uh, and he's up on a rooftop, he's praying, he's in Joppa and he has a vision And in this vision, there is something like uh, a large sheet. And it descends, and he's amazed when he sees what's on this sheet because it's animals of every kind and reptiles and birds. The thing is, none of them are kosher. None of them are edible, according to the observance of the law. And yet he hears a voice that says, get up. Peter, kill and eat. And he responds with what is in Greek the strongest possible way of saying no. It's translated in what you heard a moment ago as absolutely not. Nothing unclean has ever passed through these lips. And then the voice responds, don't call unclean what I have made pure. And then these men from Joppa, I mean from Caesarea arrive, and uh, and as Peter recounts the story, uh, he says that the Holy Spirit said to him, Go with them, and do not distinguish between them and us. Now that's the translation, the New Revised Standard Version. This is one of those places where it's a much better translation than the Common English Bible we heard a moment ago. It's more in keeping with the Greek because that's what the Greek says, uh, do not distinguish between them and us. In the Common English it says uh, something like, go with them even though they're Gentiles. and That really misses the power of what the Holy Spirit said to Simon Peter. Don't distinguish between them and us. And so Peter goes, and there Cornelius has gathered his whole household. Uh, Simon Peter begins by saying, I have learned, well, he begins by acknowledging that it's not uh, lawful for Jews to have anything much to do with Gentiles, certainly not to enter their homes or to eat at the table with them, but God has shown me that I should not show partiality. And then he shares with them the good news of the faith, and they're all baptized and become part of the congregation. Now, this gets Simon Peter into trouble. Because this story is actually recounted in a meeting, uh, is recounted in a meeting in Jerusalem. But what we see happening here is that Simon Peter and Cornelius both have their own kind of conversion. Cornelius converted to uh, be a follower of the way, soon to be called Christian. And Simon Peter is transformed, even though he's already a disciple, in fact already an apostle, one who is sent, Simon Peter is transformed into somebody who understands, really understands, that God shows no partiality. He is given a new vision. And it's not just the vision of that sheet that comes down when he is praying, but it is a new vision for people and how God sees people and how the community of faith is to be. He gets a new vision. And we all know that there's a difference between being able to see and having vision. Helen Keller once said that uh, the saddest thing in the world is somebody who can see, but they don't have vision. And he gets this vision for what God means for the church to be. To include everybody. Everybody. And not distinguish between them and us. Whatever thems there are that we might distinguish That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's God at work in the life of Cornelius and Simon Peter, and God is at work in the church and in our lives in the same way today. A vision for who God calls the church to be. Back in that day, there was a lot of them and us. A very hard line between who's in and who's out. And when the church is at its best, there is no line like that. There is no them and us. For Simon Peter, this was a wake-up call for him. This was Simon Peter really being reminded of what he should have known already. Jesus taught it and lived it. And Simon Peter had followed Jesus all those years. And yet somehow he lost to that part of the message. Jesus is the one that would take them over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The other side of the Sea of Galilee, whenever it says that in the gospel, is talking about the region of the Decapolis, the ten cities that are uh, Gentile cities. And they would he would take them over all the time. Why? For what purpose? For commerce or trade? No. no, apparently not. He would just get them in the boat and they would go over to the other side and they would sometimes have encounters over there with people very different from themselves. Jesus did it on purpose to make sure they understood that those are people too over on the other side. Most of the Jews would go, if they were going um, from... Uh, Judea up uh, into Galilee, they would go around Samaria because Jews hated Samaritans, Samaritans hated Jews, and they would avoid that territory. But what did Jesus do? He took them right up through Samaria, and there they met a woman at the well. Jesus had to shoo his disciples away to send them into town because it wasn't appropriate for him to talk to a Samaritan and a woman. And so he sent them on an errand so she wouldn't hear their grumbling, undoubtedly. And he offered her living water and her life was transformed. A Samaritan woman. Jesus was all the time doing this, whether it was Zacchaeus the tax collector or whether it was calling Matthew the tax collector, the hated profession in his day, to be a part of his inner circle. And and what um, uh, what about the constant repetition of the phrase, he ate with tax collectors and sinners? Simon Peter should have gotten the message a long time ago, but somehow, in this vision, he finally got it. And it gets him into trouble because word gets out that he has welcomed these Gentiles, he's welcomed them into the church. He's baptized them. He went in their house, sat down at the table with them. And so he gets summoned to Jerusalem for what is usually called the Jerusalem Council. We're Methodists, so we would call it the Jerusalem Conference. He's summoned, uh, you might say, that he's sort of brought up on charges for violating that distinction between them and us. And he lays out the case before them. He tells them the story. He, he tells them that, hey, these, these people, uh, are, have, they believe and and they're committed and I baptized them. And and I did that because of this vision that I had and the Holy Spirit said to me, "Go with them and don't distinguish between them and us. I have learned," he said, "that God shows no partiality and nor should I." Again, Jesus taught them that, in the Sermon on the Mount, "God sends the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, the sun to shine on good and evil alike, and you therefore must be like that." complete and whole and mature in the way that you love as God is. And so he got the message. And after he had shared this story with them, they, they celebrated. They affirmed the experience that he had had. It was a magnificent moment. So important in the life of the early church that in the book of Acts the story is told almost word-for-word twice. In the 10th chapter and then again when Simon Peter recounts it in the 11th chapter. That says something. That means we should pay attention to that story. It's of particular importance. The Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts both have this powerful theme of God working to widen the circles and to include everyone. Just an example, in the Gospel of Matthew, the genealogy of Jesus begins with Abraham. What does that communicate? Well, it emphasizes that he is, that that Jesus is uh, a Jew and descended from Abraham. Luke, His genealogy goes all the way back to Adam. Luke wants to say Jesus is one of us, whoever we are. He wants to say that all people are his relatives, his brothers and sisters. That's Luke's emphasis. And so Luke tells this story. He tells it twice in the book of Acts. and. And also, the experience of the sheet coming down, that's repeated three times. Again, this is another way of emphasizing the importance of something. They want us, that is, Luke wants us to get the message that there's no distinction between them and us. Now, there's no question that uh, we, um, we have a tendency to draw that same kind of line, don't we? I challenge you to think this morning who is the them for you? Who's the them that you see as standing over against the us? One of the things we see with Jesus is Jesus is always building bridges, always reaching out, always including, bringing into his inner circle people that are very different from one another. Always building bridges, not building walls. The early church faced that decision, are we going to build a wall? Are we going to strengthen the wall that we have? Are we going to build bridges so that everyone can experience the love and grace of God in Jesus Christ? And they choose, ultimately, to build bridges You think about those people that Jesus called to be his disciples. And just look at who is among that group. There's Thomas. Thomas, who had his doubts, but that's okay. He was still a part of the community of faith. And he came to a stronger faith in the end. But he wasn't shut out because he had his doubts. Or Matthew, the tax collector. Jesus called him to be one of the disciples. Tax collectors were seen as those who had sold out to Rome. He would have been uh, on the edge for sure and probably considered by most as them. Even though a Jew, he was seen as a sellout to Rome, participating in that corrupt Roman taxation system. But Jesus included Simon Peter, who uh, someone said, Simon Peter only opens his mouth to change feet. (laughs) I mean, he just, he was always saying the wrong thing, not quite getting it right. Simon Peter, who denied even knowing Jesus, and then the resurrected Christ comes to him and offers forgiveness in the most powerful way. The list is long. Zacchaeus, the hated tax collector, welcomed by Jesus, and Jesus goes into his home and sits down with him and shares the table. Our call as people of faith is to build bridges, not walls. Because that's the work of God, to include, not exclude. You, you probably know that my favorite poet, because I've talked about it so much, is Robert Frost. And he has that wonderful poem, Mending Wall, where he and his neighbor, it's in the first person, he and his neighbor are, get together and uh, every spring, and they rebuild the wall that separates their property. It's just a stacked stone wall. And they pick up the stones that have fallen because of the expansion and contraction over the wintertime of the earth and the and the ice getting in between and all that, so that the, some of the stones tumble. And so they, they each get on their side and they go through and they repair the wall. Well, the narrator in, in the poem is constantly questioning, why do we need this wall? I mean, I have an orchard on my side. You have pine trees on your side. My uh, orchard, uh, my apples are not gonna go eat your pine cones. <laughs> So why do we need this wall? Good fences make good neighbors, his neighbor replies. And he responds ultimately by saying, something there is that doesn't love a wall that wants it down. I would say it's not something, it's someone. It's God. God, the Holy Spirit at work in our lives to tear down the dividing walls, to use the Apostle Paul's, Words to build bridges, to include and include and include. D.T. Niles, the missionary, once said that um, the church, when it's been at its best, is not defined by boundaries. Whenever the church has tried to define itself by boundaries, it has fallen into a spirit-killing legalism. Rather, the church is always at its best defined by its center, which is Jesus Christ. And with Jesus Christ at the center, when we draw closer to Christ, we draw closer to one another. That's the church. And I am proud to be a part of this congregation that embraces that work of God in our world today. I wanted to share something that's, uh, that's kind of fun with you that someone sent to me. Um, it's called Ways to Keep Things Interesting in Church. <laughs> and I'm just gonna read these and I, please, if you're gonna do any of these, Wait until after July 1st. (laughs) Lance is not going to appreciate that one. Pass a note to the organist asking whether she plays requests. See if a yawn really is contagious. Slap your neighbor. See if they turn the other cheek. If not, raise your hand and tell the preacher. Devise ways of climbing into the balcony without using the stairs. Listen for your preacher to use a word beginning with A, then B, and so on through the alphabet. Sit in the back row and roll a handful of marbles under the pews ahead of you. (laughs) After the service, credit yourself with ten points for every marble that made it to the front. (laughs) Using church bulletins or Vista cards for raw materials, design, test, and modify a collection of paper airplanes start from the back of the church and try to crawl all the way to the front under the pews without being noticed. (laughs) Whip out a hanky and blow your nose. Vary the pressure exerted on your nostrils and trumpet out a rendition of your favorite hymn. (laughs) Choose a different song than was announced and begin singing it as loud as you can. (laughs) Now that would make church interesting, but I'll tell you a better way to make it interesting? What if, what if we tore down walls and built bridges? Wouldn't that be interesting? I mean, it, it certainly made it interesting in the early church as they adjusted to that. It would make it really interesting for us to, to do that as we go out to be God's people in the world. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we are grateful for your love and the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives, in our community, in this community of faith. You're at work in our lives in many ways. And one of those ways that we see over and over again is the work of including. May we, O oh God, join you in that work. We pray it in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray.
1: I want to invite our ushers to begin to come forward. And as they do that, as we prepare for the morning offering, thank you for all the ways that you live generously and make a difference. For those of you who are giving at home, for those of you who give online, uh, if you do give online and you want to put one of those uh, little bookmarks in the offering plates that say, I give online, there should be some near you. Thank you for the ways that you make a difference with, with literally your currency and your coins. And I mentioned coins because this morning during the uh, children's musical, uh, they took a coin collection. The kids voted on that collection going to Saving Hope Animal Rescue. And for those of you in the sanctuary this morning, you'll see some buckets at the back of the sanctuary. And if you have any coins with you, and if you uh, desire to uh, join with our children in that, uh, that would be wonderful. And your gifts in general make such a difference. I mean, we've talked about music a lot this morning—the children's musical—and and you know, you make it possible for us to have skilled. Uh, leaders like Peggy Graff and Thomas Williams, you make it possible for us to have a bell choir. You, you make it possible for us to have an excellent band that serves the gathering and a band that serves 11-11 across the parking lot. It's because of your generosity and we simply want to say thank you as we now join together in prayer. Loving God, we thank you for receiving these gifts in our lives, reminding us that we never give alone. We always give with one another, and oh, what a difference it makes. We do all these things in Jesus' name, amen.
0: today. And if you are a first-time visitor with us, I want you to know that we have something called the on-ramp. If you leave and go out the sanctuary and make a left, You'll see a, a big sign that says on ramp, and we have a gift for the first time visitors and for children and for adults, but we want to make it more than that. We want you to find your place. We want you to find a way that you connect with this community because we want you to feel that you are part of a larger group, part of a family. And then also I want to lift up to you that if you look over here, it says Congregational Care Ministries. And that is for anyone that might need someone to pray with them. We're a praying congregation, and any time after service, if you'd like to come forward, we have people here willing to pray with you, and just know that we're here for you at all times.
2: Our gathering will soon be ended. Where will we go, and what will we do? May grace, peace, hope, love and joy forever accompany you. Amen.